This is Finding Center, a daily half hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Serving Those Among Us. Kurt R. Seville, director of the BYU School of Music when this devotional was given, will give his address entitled Living a Life of Service and Love, What Goes Around Comes Around. I would like to begin my remarks today by paying tribute to my parents. It wasn't until I began serving my mission that I realized that some parents didn't value their children, didn't do everything within their power to make their lives better, and didn't help their children aspire to be the best they could be. I was one of the fortunate ones, along with my brother and sister, to be born into a family where I was loved, nurtured, and taught by loving parents. They had high expectations for me. But when I failed, they were still there to guide, encourage, and show me how to pick myself up and move forward. My parents, to the best of my knowledge, had never been very active in the Church. They encouraged us children to attend, but their attendance was infrequent. Yet it was from them that I learned how to live a Christian life. My father, in particular, was the kind of person that could never pass by someone who needed help. I recall a trip from Salt Lake City to Bear Lake, where a weekend of clear blue water, swimming, skiing, and fun awaited me. Our typical route was to go to Evanston, Wyoming, and then on to Bear Lake. However, about 20 miles to the southwest of Evanston, Wyoming, my father noticed a man who was trying to flag cars down on the other side of the divided highway. My father could never pass someone who needed help. He drove five miles up our side of the freeway until he found the first turnaround, drove back five miles, picked up the man who had run out of gas, went five miles in the wrong direction, turned around again, drove all the way to Evanston, helped the man get gas, and then drove him back to his car. Being an impatient teenager, I was more than irritated at the long delay, probably two and a half hours. After we finally got on our way, I asked my dad, why would he go so far out of his way to help someone? Surely someone else could have stopped and given him assistance. My dad simply responded, What goes around comes around. After seeing the confused look on my face, he further explained, I believe that someday you or I will be on the side of the road looking for help, and someone will return the favor. Being ever the optimist, I replied, I seriously doubt it. So today I would like to title my talk, What Goes Around Comes Around. We've heard this before in many different forms. The Boy Scout slogan, do a good turn daily, pay it back, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which is the golden rule. We reap what we sow. These are all well and good, but my dad lived by the mantra, what goes around comes around. He would help anyone, anytime, and anywhere. But on the other hand, how many times have we heard or said, no good deed goes unpunished? In today's world, we see evidence again and again televised for the world to see that the world is an ugly place where those who are innocent and who try to do good come out on the short end of the stick. I had often hoped that my father's mantra was true, but I was never quite sure I believed it. Over the years, I learned to admire the dedication that my father had to his mantra, but I must say that I never saw it come around until years later when we took a trip to Flaming Gorge Reservoir. I remember it clearly because it was Friday the 13th, and since I was the only child left in the house, I knew it would be a great getaway with my parents and we loved to fish at the Flaming Gorge. This happened while I was in high school, which, according to my kids, was shortly after the earth cooled and most likely during the Jurassic period. (laughs) 
We owned a small cabin cruiser about 14, 15 feet in length. It was big enough to sleep three if someone was willing to sleep on the floor, and that was always me. We put our boat in at Sheep Creek Marina, and our goal was to go as far north towards Wyoming as possible, spend the weekend in our little boat, and fish until we had our limit. As I remember the day, we joked that it was Friday the 13th, and what followed later that weekend etched that date forever in my mind. On Friday, heading towards the Wyoming side of the reservoir, we had traveled some distance before we began to fish. Frankly, the fishing wasn't very good, but we loved being out on the boat together and in such a beautiful place. I remember my father saying, Look, there's a man on the far shore who's waving at us. I looked up, but I could barely see anyone. But I knew it was time to pull in the lines. We fired up the motor and went towards the other side of the reservoir where the man was still waving at us. It seemed odd to me that this man was standing on a barren hillside with no other boat in sight. But when he saw we were coming, he motioned for us to go around a bend into a small hidden cove. When we came around the hill, I was shocked to see a big, beautiful yacht pulled into the shore. It was easily twice the length and width of our little boat. The man thanked us profusely for coming to his assistance. He hadn't been able to get anybody else to notice. His battery was dead, and he wondered if we could help him. We did, and soon his big motor roared back to life. The man and his family were very grateful. We lost an hour of fishing, but we were soon back out on the reservoir. The next day, the fishing didn't improve. Matter of fact, it was terrible. We decided to call it quits and go back to the marina. We were about two miles from the marina where we had launched our boat when we found ourselves fighting a blustering headwind that slowed our progress. The waves were kicking up and suddenly our engine decided to quit. We tried in vain to get it running, but it simply wouldn't start. My dad was the kind of guy who was an absolute do-it-yourself kind of guy. He had built our boat from a do-it-yourself kit. He could always keep our cars and our boat motors running, but not this time. In the midst of trying to pull start our outboard motor, much to our surprise, the fellow in the big yacht pulled up and asked if he could be of assistance. I was never so pleased to see someone. Flaming Gorge is a very big reservoir, and we've been out for two days. I was amazed that of all the people on the reservoir, this would be the person to show up to give us aid. He offered to tow us back to the marina, even though we were still a long distance out. We happily accepted his kind offer. All was going well. We'd been going at a nice, even, slow click for some time, being pulled behind this monstrosity of a boat. We could actually see the marina in the distance when suddenly the motor on his yacht died. We checked the gas lines. We checked the fuel filter, everything. But it just wouldn't start. Friday the 13th weekend kind of luck. We tried his little trolling motor, thought maybe we'd get that going. But it wouldn't start. In the meantime, the wind had kicked up into gale force wind, and it was blowing us further and further and further away from the marina. I could barely see the marina in the distance as my dad and Mr. Yacht Guy worked on the engines. Three motors, and not a single one of them would start. What luck. Out of the blue, a little old man and his wife puttered up to us on a little 12-foot open bow aluminum fishing boat. I remember being shocked to see his wife sitting there, all done up pretty, with pancake makeup plastered on her windblown face. I thought, what in the world are these two doing out here in this tiny boat amidst all of these winds and waves? The old gentleman kindly offered to tow us in. I looked at him in disbelief, quite frankly. He hooked a line to the big yacht and with his little 25-horsepower outboard motor puttered away like a tugboat with a battleship 
and soon he and the big boat faded out of sight as they went towards the marina. Meanwhile, we were being blown ever further away from our destination. We were still in a pickle. But 45 minutes later, the little old man and his wife came back out to us, tossed us a line, and proceeded to tow us back to the dock. I was amazed that these folks had been so willing to go so far out of their way to help. Their kindness and willingness to give so much time and effort to assist total strangers was a gift that I will never forget. By now, we were fast friends, made so by the events of the day and the weekend. We helped the rich fellow get his boat loaded onto his trailer, and next, a little aluminum—never could say that word—boat. As fate would have it, the old gentleman had left the lights on in his car, and his car battery was dead. <laughs> My dad went up and used his jumper cables to get his car running. We all helped to get the little boat and ours safely secured onto our trailers. We laughed all the way home on the adventures of that weekend. What goes around really does come around. I finally had a chance to witness my father's mantra in action. I may be a little slow, but this was a lesson of a lifetime that even I couldn't ignore. Thanks, Dad, for being such a wonderful example to me. In the 2013 Liahona, President Uchtdorf wrote, A favorite saint of mine often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi reads, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Implicit in this saying is the understanding that often the most powerful sermons are unspoken. I am so grateful for the unspoken lessons that my parents taught me. When I came up short in my obedience or actions, I would often attempt to justify my poor behavior by employing an overabundance of characteristically charming charisma. My father would shake his head and reply, Son, your actions are speaking so loud I can't hear a word you're saying. To him, actions were more important than words. His living example of how to lead a Christian life taught me the following important principles regarding service. Service should be given with a smile and with no expectation of a return. Too often we pass by opportunities to serve because we simply can't see them. Service is seldom convenient. Service most often happens when you're on the way to do something else. Service will eventually come back around. I think these principles are self-evident, but let me elaborate on just one of these. Service is what you do when you're on your way to do something else. We can plan to give service, and I think that is excellent, but I believe the Savior taught and exemplified a better way. Christ most often blessed others when he was on his way to do something else. Some examples. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Wasn't the Good Samaritan on his own journey? which he had to interrupt in order to provide assistance. The Levite and priest both chose not to see the wounded man, but rather passed to the other side and stayed on their intended business. Another example found in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus was teaching the people regarding marriage, he was interrupted by those who brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. His disciples actually wanted him to get back to the real business that was at hand. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. This became a powerful teaching moment in Christ's ministry. Another example in Matthew 9, we read about what appears to be a single remarkable day in Christ's ministry. 
Christ was teaching his disciples when he was again interrupted. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. On his way to find the ruler's daughter, Christ was touched by the woman who had an infirmity. He stopped and asked, Who had touched him? He then blessed and healed her. Christ then proceeded to travel on to the ruler's house, where he announced the daughter was not dead but was sleeping. They laughed him to scorn, yet he proceeded to raise the ruler's daughter from the dead. In verse 27 it says, When he departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men continued to implore him. He then healed them because of their great faith. And then in verse 32, as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. He was healed, and the dumb spake. Christ was interrupted again and again and again while he was about his own intended task. Yet he was willing to see those who were invisible to others. He interrupted his plans and blessed those who needed his loving touch. Do a good turn daily. Pay it back. We reap what we sow. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What goes around comes around. This same concept was taught by Alma to his son Corianton when he was trying to explain the meaning of the word restoration. Apparently, Corianton thought that he could do evil in today and later good could be restored to him. Alma said to him, Therefore, my son, see that you are merciful unto your brethren. Deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. And if ye do all these things, then shall ye receive your reward. Yea, ye shall have mercy restored unto you again. Ye shall have justice restored unto you again. Ye shall have a righteous judgment restored unto you again. And ye shall have good rewarded unto you again. For that which ye do send out shall return unto you again and be restored. Therefore the word restoration more fully condemneth the sinner and justifieth him not at all. My father was teaching me, as Alma had taught his son, that the kind of life that you live will be restored to you. If you are merciful to your fellow men, mercy will come back to you. If you judge righteously, righteous judgment will return to you. If you do good continually, good shall return to you. If you are just, justice will be restored to you again. Put in other words, if you want a friend, be a friend. If you want mercy, show mercy. If you want forgiveness, forgive others. If you want kindness, be kind. If you want respect, respect others. We are all flawed beings. We have our ample share of problems, insecurities, weaknesses, and failures. But I have learned that one way to overcome them is to share whatever modest strengths and attributes that we do possess with others. I testify that they will come back to you. And each time you repeat the process, your confidence and your strength in that virtue and attribute will grow and become stronger. Will there be bumps? Absolutely. Will the restoration of good for good be immediate? Most likely not. But somehow, somewhere, sometime, these things will come back around you in greater abundance than the amount that you gave. King Benjamin assured his people that if they would obey God's commandments, that God would immediately bless them. Don't despair when life is not fair or when it seems that 
No good deed goes unpunished. Because there is hope and a promise that a good life is its own reward. I personally find great hope in the following remarkable Latter-day Scripture. I refer to Doctrine and Covenants 130.20. There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Do a good turn daily. Pay it back. You reap what you sow. The golden rule, for that which you do send out shall return unto you again and be restored. What goes around comes around. How does this apply to our lives here at BYU and to our lives in general? Well, we may not have the opportunity to jumpstart someone's boat in a hidden cove in a vast reservoir, but we can share a smile and a hello with someone on campus whom we don't know, one of those students whom we pass by each day who has a downcast countenance, one of the many who are weighed down with the worries of their day. A smile really can turn a frown upside down. We may not have the opportunity to go out of our way to refill someone's gas tank, but aren't most of us just running on fumes by the end of the day? I know I certainly feel this way, maybe too often. We can express confidence and trust in our fellow students when they struggle in class or stumble over something that might have been obvious to others. We can encourage each other as we attempt to do the many hard things that are part and parcel of college life. Many years ago, my sweet wife presented an object lesson in a family home evening that had a lasting impact. With two buckets, one empty and one filled with water, she gave each of us an empty cup. She then demonstrated how easy it was to deplete the full bucket of water by saying unkind things. She then gave each of us a chance to fill each other's cups by saying something kind. We took turns saying something nice about each other. And with each act of kindness, my wife added water both to the giver and the receiver of the compliment. This was a great visual representation of how easy it is to empty someone's bucket or alternatively how, by simple acts of kindness, we can fill someone else's bucket. And I must note that through the process of filling someone else's bucket, we fill our own. Gordon B. Hinckley said, I have discovered that life is not a series of great heroic acts. Life at its best—let me repeat that—life at its best is a matter of consistent goodness and decency, doing without fanfare that which needed to be done when it needed to be done. I have observed that it is not the geniuses that make the difference in this world. I have observed that the work of the world is done largely by men and women of ordinary talent who have worked in an extraordinary manner. John C. Maxwell, recognized as a leading inspirational leadership coach, put it this way, Doing the right thing daily compounds over time. Our family has always loved the classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart. Think about that one for just a moment. Stewart plays the role of George Bailey, who has aspirations to get out of Bedford Falls and see the world. He has big plans and he has big dreams. However, George spends his entire life giving up his big dreams for the good of his town. Of course, you all know the movie, and if you don't, right now is a good time to rectify your deficiency. <laughs> I can't think of a movie that better exemplifies the long-term effects of a good life. Nor can I think of one that better epitomizes how the good that you do will eventually come back to you. Think of the closing scene as the town rescues George and how he comes to realize that he has had a truly remarkable and wonderful life. The kingdom of God is built by small and simple things, 
In Alma 37.6 we read, Now ye may suppose that this is foolishness in me, but behold, I say unto you, that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass, and small means in many instances doth confound the wise. In short, we don't have to do something gigantic or impressive to build the kingdom of God. We don't have to convert thousands, cut a hole in the rock and descend a thousand feet in a covered wagon, heal the toxic algae bloom in Utah Lake, or create a company that will make millions. We just need to work at being a little better each day by reaching beyond ourselves to serve in even the smallest ways. A word of encouragement, a door held open, any act of random kindness, reassuring a friend who's having a bad day, sharing the music of the songbird, the flutter of the leaves in the trees, the sound of birds in flight, the music of laughter, and perhaps, and perhaps the silent sob of one who is suffering. My father could see people who are in need that others couldn't see. How is it possible that so many could pass by the man who was stuck on the side of the road, yet my father, who was going 70 miles an hour down the other side of a divided highway, saw him like he was lit up with a neon sign? How did my father see the invisible man who was waving for help on the far side of the gorge when all I could see was the water and my own fishing line? Let me speak for a moment of those who are visible and invisible. Have you ever felt invisible? I know that I have. Sometimes in a crowd with very little effort, we can remain invisible to those who seem to be the life of the party. Even here at BYU with over 30,000 students, I'm certain that we have, at times, felt invisible. I believe it is easy to feel like no one sees you, the real you, the vulnerable, insecure, and anxious you, the you that needs someone to believe in you, the person that is stranded on the side of the road while everyone else rushes by. I sometimes worry that the habit of engaging with our cell phones too often has the effect of making everyone around us invisible. I myself am guilty. Though we are attempting to stay connected and visible to our friends, we inadvertently shut the world out. We won't recognize another's need if we can't see them. We won't be able to give service on a way to do something else if our eyes are fixed on a screen instead of the humanity that surrounds us. Ferris Bueller said it best, Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. I love the hymn because I've been given much because it teaches these same principles so powerfully. Because I have been given much, I too must give. Because of thy great bounty, Lord, each day I live, I shall divide my gifts from thee with every brother that I see who has the need of help from me. Because I have been sheltered, fed by thy good care, I cannot see another's lack, and I not share my glowing fire, my loaf of bread, my roof's safe shelter overhead, that he too may be comforted. Because I have been blessed by thy great love, dear Lord, I'll share thy love again according to thy word. I shall give love to those in need. I'll show that love by word and deed. Thus shall my thanks be thanks indeed. I've heard it said that a grateful child is one of life's greatest blessings, but I would have to add that one of my greatest joys as a parent has been when I've witnessed our children being kind and generous to someone whom they don't know. That is probably because this represents and reflects the kind of love that Christ has for each of us. Love, God's love. How do we bring people to Christ? We do so by sharing His love with our brothers and sisters. Today I hope I've been able to convey some of the small and simple ways that we can show and reflect God's love. First, we must see. See those who are invisible. See those that need to be encouraged, lifted, and healed. 
Second, we must be willing to interrupt our business, even for only a moment, while we are on our way to do something else. Third, we must act through love. The more we love, the greater our capacity to love becomes. The more love we share, the more love we will have to give. I testify to you that the more love we give, the more love will come back to us. Do a good turn daily. Pay it back. You reap what you sow. The golden rule. For that which you descend out shall return unto you again and be restored. Be a bucket filler. What goes around comes around. I wish to express my deep and abiding love, affection, and gratitude for my wonderful parents and for their devotion and for their love, which remain a constant in my life, even though they have both passed on. I leave you with my testimony that the greatest work that we have in today's world is to see the unseen, to lift arms that have fallen, and to share God's love by loving our fellow man. I believe that in doing so, we have the chance to heal ourselves and to bring all of us closer to the perfect love of God, of the power, the depth, and beauty of His divine love. I stand as humble witness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Serving Those Among Us. Kurt R. Seville gave his devotional entitled Living a Life of Service and Love, What Goes Around Comes Around. Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU radio app, available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.